One, two, three, four. everybody this is dave and jake thanks for listening we really appreciate it hey we're asking our small but dedicated group of listeners to forward this message to at least one person each so we can pick up some new listeners we're working hard here for you coming up with cool episodes and burying our soul into a hot microphone every week when we could be doing other geezer stuff like napping or pissing and moaning about something which is one of our favorite things well we do that anyway (laughs) (laughs) please help us out here folks Uh, So as you know, when you get older, you can't do the stuff you used to do, both physically and mentally. And that got us thinking that we were grateful for the stuff we did when we could do it, thus today's episode. Glad I did it when I did it, because I can't do it now. Yeah, besides just the, not just besides the physical and mental limitations, there's a lot of stuff that we did that was frowned on now, or just plain illegal. (laughs) Glad we did it then, because again, we can't do it now. So here's some examples of the kind of things we're talking about. Some things are pretty simple. Like, I had long hair on my high school yearbook photo. Big bushy sideburns, too. It was 1975 when that pic was taken. It looks a little silly now, but I can't grow hair now, so I'm glad I did it when I could. (laughs) Yeah. You know, other things could be physical endeavors. When I was young, I took Taekwondo lessons for a few years. Glad I did that. Learned a lot. Don't think I can handle that now, though. You took martial arts, too, right? Yeah, I did. I started in my late 40s and did it for about 10 years. The style was called Shori Kempo. So even at that age, I was able to do most of the stuff they taught. But mind you, I wasn't doing any high-flying kicks (laughs) in my routines. But there was physical and mental stuff that really challenged me. And I'm glad I did it then because I know I couldn't do the physical stuff now. Uh, Like maybe the mental stuff, but uh, certainly not the physical stuff. I definitely would be pull a muscle or probably end up in traction, not to mention getting beat up by my classmates (laughs) or my sensei. You know, I took scuba classes, and I was actually a certified diver. Oh, yeah. I was very proud of that accomplishment, but I don't even remember how to do it anymore, (laughs) so it wouldn't be prudent now to be trying to scuba dive. Wow, yeah. About 30 years ago, I took up snowboarding. I skied a little bit prior to that, wasn't really good, but then when snowboarding became a thing, I thought it looked like fun. So my oldest son at that time was 14, he's like in his early 40s now, and his buddy was upgrading his snowboard, so I bought his old one. It was pretty funny seeing a late 30-year-old dude buying a (laughs) snowboard from a 14-year-old kid. (laughs) It took me about 50 falls the first couple of times I snowboard to get the hang of it, but black and boot, black and blue, but determined to figure it out, um, finally did. I'm not <laughs> saying that... No falls now. We don't want any falls. That's anymore. right, yeah. So I'm not saying I'll never snowboard again, but the odds are that I'd probably end up in the hospital with a broken <laughs> something. Uh, so I think the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore. And check out our episode 18 about juice and squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid, like just 7 to 10 years old, at that time pro football was not the big deal it is nowadays. 
I lived in Green Bay, and Lambeau Field was surrounded by just a simple green chain-link fence. That's all there was. There was no employees there on most Saturdays, so us neighborhood kids just jumped the fence and played ball at Lambeau every Saturday. Almost every week we did this. We didn't even think it was that big of a deal. And Sunday was a big game. So right. Oh, oh yeah. So. so on Friday nights, the local high schools played there. They actually played their games oh, at, they did. at okay. Lambeau, yeah. and that, that was cool. But there was nothing going on there on Saturday, so we played. And there'd be like four different games going on because we didn't need the whole field, obviously. Right. And it was kind of based on age group. So I actually played on Lambeau Field. Oh, that's and Not great. just once, but many times. Literally no one gave a shit. This went on for a long time. One day the attorney shut that down, though, and uh, so I'm glad I did it when I could, baby, because you can't even get in the parking lot without paying oh, now. no kidding, yeah. You know, I used to do a lot of running in endurance sports. I started running in college. Certainly not competitive, just enough to stay active and release some stress. Over the years, I kept it up and ran several events like half marathons, full marathons. Then I got into triathlons and did an Olympic distance, half Ironman distance. And Holy then I cow. capped it off with a full marathon at 61 years old. Full Ironman? Yeah. Wow. So, well, a few months after that, God sent me a message to back <laughs> off. And that happened when I tore my hamstring during a snowball fight with my teenage <laughs> you, kids. So you survived the Ironman and they get hurt in a snowball yeah. fight. Yeah. And the worst <laughs> thing is I went down, you know, screaming in pain and they kept pummeling me with snowballs so they had no mercy on me and after that i had a back surgery about a year later and that kind of made my running days over but i'm glad i did it then so a lot of that physical stuff we just we just can't do it like right that anymore. now another example of something i did i did this three times actually that you just can't get away with now was streaking. <laughs> do you remember that? Did you ever do that? I never did. Um, maybe from the bathroom to the bedroom in one of our episodes. <laughs> well, it was actually a big fad back in the 70s. A guy named Ray Stevens had a big hit song called The Streak. I really don't know how this started, but I know we were in high school, and lots of people actually did it. You simply took off all your clothes and ran naked in front of people. It's pretty simple, really. <laughs> <laughs> now, though, that would be a sex crime. Oh, yeah. Back then, it was just freaking hilarious. And exhilarating. It really, I mean, it had nothing to do with sex. Believe me. I ran bare ass across some tennis courts at night while people were playing tennis. <laughs> I had to jump the net with my junk flying around. That was the first time. So you would give your clothes to friends and hope they would meet you on the other end before the cops well, showed hopefully up. Hopefully they're good, good friends, right? The next time was at a small strip mall where we left our clothes in a car and then had the car drive around the back of the mall and meet us on the other side. And we ran in front of the whole mall. And uh, at least we hoped our friends were going to be on the other side with our clothes when we got there. And the third time was across the Ray Nitschke Bridge in Green Bay. Now, that was a challenge. Oh, it was a lot farther than it looked, especially when you're naked. Kind of cool and windy up there, too. Some shrinkage issues. Oh, no. So on a naked sprint that long, you have a lot of time to worry about if your friends are actually going to show up on the other side. So then we finally got there. We got to the car. Of course, the dude did one of these things where he pulled ahead a little oh, bit. He had, had to, to run some him. more, kind of almost grabbing the handle and yeah, a little bit farther ahead. So uh, we went through all that. Well, that's hilarious. Now, I don't really want to picture this, but I can sort of see it in my mind. Naked guys chasing a friend in a car, and the guys laughing oh, yeah. hysterically at yeah. you guys. So, Well, back in my day, a big thing was cruising the boulevard. In California, where I grew up, there was a place to do that called a street called Van Nuys Boulevard. 
And to this day, there's a Facebook page out there, Van Nuys Boulevard Cruise Night, with more than 8,000 followers reminiscing of the good old days. Back in the 70s, kids would, kids would came out all over the San Fernando Valley to bring their cool cars or even their junkers, whatever they had, to cruise up and down about a four-mile strip of the city. I think that's where the lowriders came was invented cool. and came from. You know, kids would lower their cars and they'd be scraping the ground. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd lay back with their heads really low and look over like they're really cool in their lowrider cars. <laughs> that's cool. Well, where I went to church was located on, you guessed it, Van Nuys Boulevard. <laughs> so I would tell my parents that there was some, some youth <laughs> church function going on on a Saturday night and that I was going to go. So they were fine with that. Oh. And a bunch of us would hop in their cars and go cruise the boulevard. Uh, there were cars and kids all over the street. Now, one night, one of my buddies had an idea, and he got a couple of cans of garbanzo beans. <laughs> and And he had some, he cut off a garden hose with some short pieces, about 12, 18 inches long. And the beans fit perfectly inside those hoses. And it made kind of a blow dart weapon, <laughs> but the bean was the weapon instead of the dart. <laughs> Then we had Garbanzo Beans Wars on Van Nuys Boulevard. <laughs> he gave a bunch of us hoses and beans, and we started blowing the beans at cars as we were cruising down the boulevard. A lot of windows were open, too, because it was warm, and so we'd be blowing beans right in people's cars. <laughs> and I remember one time, one of my friends, their bean got stuck in the hose, so he's going down the road, opens his door, starts slamming his hose on the street as he's driving along, trying to dislodge that bean from his hose. <laughs> Over the years, the cruise night became increasingly out of hand, and in 1982, the city banned cruising on Van Nuys Boulevard. So I'm glad I did it then because you can't do it now. Well, they wreck everything that way, you know? I know. Now, sometimes you're just glad you did something because now the people you did it with are no longer able to do it or even alive. Mm -hmm. So my brothers are quite a few years older than me. We used to go on an annual fishing trip to either Minnesota or Canada, one brother is now passed, and the other wouldn't really be able to go on a physically demanding trip like that. At times, we were portaging into secondary lakes, carrying outboard motors and gas tanks wow. long distance through the woods, miles through the woods. When I was 17, my brother Craig drove me to California. We stopped in Utah, Vegas, and other places. No way we could handle two, three weeks in a car like that. No. Oh, yeah, I hear you. In the early 80s... Uh Two of my buddies and I, we took a nine-day bicycle ride. We had tents, sleeping bags, just like backpacking, but but on bikes. Um, and two of my friends, they were about 10 years older than me, so they're they're really geezers now. Uh, one time we took down, went down the California coast from Oregon, California border, just south of San Francisco, which was about a 500-mile ride. It took us nine days. Um, quite an adventure, including wow. campsites with bears that came in. Oh, boy. A couple of stalkers. At least we thought they were stalking us. <laughs> and then nightly rides to the grocery store to get food and wine. And back then, they didn't have the box wine, so we had to get like a half a gallon Colorado <laughs> jugs glass wine. The thing probably big... weighed about 10 pounds. Oh, yeah. And then I'll never forget one day, we went to the store, bought the wine and the food, and we're riding back, and the campsite where we were in a camp was up this huge hill. And that hill we nicknamed Colorado Hill because <laughs> whoever had to carry that wine was really working hard to get it up there. A uh, few years later, we did another bike trip down the Washington coast uh, from Canada down to Oregon along Washington. Lots of fun and adventure, but now at our ages, we couldn't do that. 
not even close to it. So we had a lot of good times, good memories, and I'm glad I did it then because you know the phrase, can't do it now. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. You know, I used to spend so much time fishing as a younger man. I still like it, but man, it was really my passion. And we used to take my boat in late February, early March, and break 12 miles of ice on the Fox River to get to the open water. There was a hot river discharge down at the mouth. We were able to get in there and then use the boat to slam through 12 miles of ice just to get up there. That's dedication. I couldn't do that now, and neither could my old worn-out fishing (laughs) boat. I'm still on the same boat. Boy, it's beat from doing that, let me tell you. We once carried a boat a long distance to a heated hot water lake in southern Wisconsin just because it was the only lake with open water in the middle of the winter. I did that with my nephew. I I rarely see him now, even though he lives in the same town. We're just at different life stages, but couldn't do that now. And then we would pull boats upstream through river rapids. So jump out of the boat, grab the rope, pull it through river rapids just to get to better fishing areas. Oh, man. Now, I still see young guys doing that on TV sometimes. And I think, boy, I'd like to do that again. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's hard to pull a boat on a rope against through a rapid. Wow, and when you were doing it, there was no publicity. No one was filming you doing this thing, right? You just did it for the love of fishing. But at one point, I had a local weekly 10-minute fishing show on the local news and sports. Yeah, Because I was well-known in the local fishing circles, so somehow I got my own show on there. I still have the old VHS tapes of that. And I used to write fishing articles for national magazines. I even had some articles written about me, so I guess I could still write the articles. But glad I did it then because I still have those as well. I was president of a national organization called Muskies Incorporated, and I don't have the stomach to do that type of time commitment now, but I'm glad I did it when I could. Oh, sure. Well, one of my passions in life was surfing. Um, In my youth, I surfed as often as I could. I wasn't good, but that did stop me. Some days we went out, pretty big waves, not as big as you see on those surfing videos of big wave surfing, but big enough to scare the shit out of you when you're paddling (laughs) out. One memory was in Huntington Beach. It was a rainy, foggy morning. Me and three of my buddies went out, and we could hear the waves crashing but couldn't see them. The waves were probably 8 to 10 feet. It was really eerie, hearing that noise without seeing anything. So we paddled out and somehow got past the break. We caught a couple of waves and somehow survived. There were several other stories of the perfect surfing day up and down the coast of California, now living in Wisconsin, there is an opportunity to surf on Lake Michigan, but the water's cold and the waves suck. Uh, <laughs> but I do a couple sessions every once in a while. But no more 10-foot waves in my future. But I'm glad I did it when I did. And I'm glad I survived. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you're glad you did something wild with your kids because you couldn't do it anymore. One time we were in Austin, Texas, riding around in the hill country. This was probably around 2007 or so. My daughters were like 11 and 7 years old. As we're driving around, I saw some kids standing on a ledge or a cliff, and poof, off they went. So I didn't know what the hell they were jumping into, so I pulled over, and they had jumped off a 70-foot cliff into Lake Travis. And other kids were doing it too. A boat was going by, so I yelled down, you know, how deep is it there? The guy looked on his depth finder and said, 40 feet. Just then somebody yelled to me, you should do it. I turned, kicked my shoes off, threw my wallet towards my wife, and jumped up a 70-foot cliff. Oh, my God. Holy shit. 
What could go wrong? Right, right. right. Now, that is a long way. So you hit the water pretty hard. And I went down probably 15 feet deep, so it was a struggle to get back up topside. But when I did, my daughters yelled down to me, and I yelled, jump! And, oh, and they did. did. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, that ain't ever going to happen again, but I'm glad we did it when we could. Sure. You know, annually, annually about for the last 15 years, my boys and I have called what we call boys camp. It's where we go to a campsite in the summertime for a weekend. Includes my two younger sons that are 20-something, my son-in-law that's 30-something, and my oldest son, which is 40-something. Now new to the group is my grandson, who just turned six years old. Uh, We pick a weekend in the summer, boys only. What happens at boy camp stays at boys (laughs) camp, so I really can't tell any wild stories. I got the gag rule on me. However, we each had our own tents, and my one son actually slept in a hammock for several camp-out years. First sleeping on the ground, then we graduated to blow up mattresses, uh, but that even gets tough on the old body. Well, last year we graduated up to the RV camping with Willie, <laughs> <laughs> the RV. So the older you get, the more comfort I need to camp. Boys camp is still going on, but it's more like boys glamping. <laughs> but like the, like in other things, you never say never. My Uncle Rich camped in a tent when he was 100 years old. So camping... Tent camping may still be in my future sometime. It may not be completely over. But for now, the RV of bed feels pretty good. (laughs) You know, for a few years, I was captain of a polar plunge team with my daughters. And uh, Jake, you were on that. Right. This was a fundraising event where you jump into freezing cold water to raise funds for a Special Olympics. Now, I don't mean just cold water. They cut a hole in a frozen stone quarry, and you jump in over your head into 32-degree water. That is cold. And I actually did that eight different times, and we raised over $65,000 for Special Olympics. I don't think you're ever going to do that again, are you, Jake? No. Your son was on that team too, wasn't he, with us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember. My brain is still frozen. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I remember it vividly. Uh, I think I joined the team for five years, and both of my younger sons did it with me. One of them did it one year, and the other one did it two years. Now, there's a little kind of a funny aftermath story of the second time that my uh, youngest son did it with me is the photographer would always take pictures of you when you're jumping into the oh, yeah. water, you know, so you could go to their website and, and do that kind of stuff. Well, the picture that they took of us, we had the shirt you gave us, which was, what, what was I thinking? That was the name of our team. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? And then we had sombreros on. They oh, yeah. gave every team member a sombrero. So we are airborne above this freezing water with our T-shirts and our sombreros. We're both given the hang loose sign with our hand. And the photographer snapped the picture. Well, the picture must have been desirable because they used that in a lot of their promotions the following year. And our neighbor was at a bar, went to the bathroom, sat down on the toilet, closed the door, and what was on the back of the door was our flyer <laughs> with Kate and mine's picture on it. She bursted out laughing and told us a story of that, that we were actually watching her when she was taking a pee in one of the bars. <laughs> you know, another thing we all did together is we took ballroom dancing lessons with our wives. We did that for like two years every week. You know, I guess we could still do this. But I'm glad that we did that when we did it because we had four other couples who were all our friends, and basically we were the whole class, our little friend group. Right, and our instructor, Bruce, he let us bring alcohol into the class. (laughs) So we snuck in there with a cooler every week. Right, yeah. Before class, we had a cocktail to kind of loosen things up. Oh, yeah. 
And then we bring our coolers of beer and wine into class and sit around and have a drink or two or three after and talking about all the fun we had. <laughs> that was actually a blast. That was good. You know, I was a punk rock DJ at a college radio station, and I loved it. It was 77 through 79, I think. And I had lots of fans that used to listen, and I ended up meeting a lot of them. And sometimes some of them still approach me on the street to this day. After that, I used to DJ at weddings and parties. This was before computers or even CDs and DJing wasn't a very common thing. So I had to haul turntables and vinyl records through the snow, up and down stairs and everything. It was a big uh, physical deal to even do that. I loved it, but I couldn't do that anymore. It's all computerized, a big business now. But I'm glad I did that when I could. Oh, yeah, that's great. For about 20 years, between my 30s and 50s, I played softball in the summertime once a week uh, with a group of school teachers. We played through aches, pains, pulled muscles. I was borderline rotator cup surgery by the time we were done, but unfortunately, one of our players passed uh, in his early 50s to cancer. His name was Tom, and we called him Too Tall <laughs> because he was tall and thin, and he was a great left fielder. And the one thing unique about Too Tall was that he always wore short, short jean cutoffs. <laughs> Daisy Dukes. And, and he had long legs, so I think he was proud of his legs because he wasn't ashamed to show them off. So the next season, after he had passed, the whole team came to the game with cutoff jean shorts. <laughs> <laughs> we met out in left field after the game and rubs a beer to our friends. Wow. That was cool. But I think that was the last season that we all played ball together. That was a cool gesture, though. Yeah. You know, we used to take our daughters on Music City vacations to places like Memphis, Nashville, even Austin. And they even recorded a CD of themselves singing at Sun Studios in Memphis, which I still have. And we took them to cool concerts and restaurants. I think Joan Jett was the first big show I took them to. I wanted them to see the first female guitar playing rocker. And, of course, that was quite an eye-opener. Joan draws kind of a oh, diverse crowd, if you know what I'm, I'm saying. Sh yeah, I'm sure she does. We even took them camping sometimes. Now, they don't want to do that stuff with us old geezers anymore, but I'm glad I did it when I could. Yeah, that's cool. As our kids get older, they become more selective on what they want to do with their parents. Back when they were little, they were pretty much agreeable to anything that we suggested, but now not so much. But I think it goes in cycles. As they get older, then it becomes cool again to do stuff with your folks. We did the, just did the Disney trip with my daughter, who's now in her late 30s, and we meet up with my son every year in Eau Claire for the Blue Ox Music Festival, and this will be the third year we're going to meet up with him and do that. You know, speaking of kids, I'm glad I had them when I did, because I can't do that now. <laughs> right? Although I did tell Sally I was willing to mentally overcome my vasectomy if she wanted to try to have a few more kids. I'm up for that as well. <laughs> You know, when I was younger, I used to be a workaholic. I won all kinds of sales contests and awards. And I'm glad I could chase the almighty dollar like that in the past, but not sure I could drive that hard now. Yeah, I ended up tossing away all the old awards and plaques, but I still got some of the bread I made. That's right. Yeah, I can relate to that. 44 years at the same company and my achievement plaques all hit the trash and bin when I retired. I was proud of them at the time, but your perspective changes once you retire. Glad I did it the years of work that I did because now I can enjoy retirement. You know, before my oldest brother died, I took him on his last sales call. So he was a lifelong sales guy as well, and he, but he had already been retired for probably 25 years. He was old and he was in bad health near the end. But I told him I had a tough customer and needed his help. So I talked this over with the customer first. 
and I brought my brother in there and I gave my presentation and the customer just didn't seem convinced. It would, all of a sudden, my brother stood up. <laughs> he gave an impassioned spiel about what a good job I was going to do for him and the guy said, sold. I'm telling you, my brother limped into that sales call but walked out on a cloud like a young man. The old pride was back for a day. He closed his final sale. So I'm really glad I did that. That's a cool story. You know, buddy, our window is closing fast. Pretty soon the stuff we're doing now, we won't be able to do anymore. Like last June, we played a thing called Street Music Fest. It was the hottest day of the year, 96 (laughs) degrees. And we had to play and sing at the top of our lungs for an hour in the middle of rush hour traffic. Road construction, noises, jackhammers. Yeah. We raised 104 bucks for Feeding America in an hour, but man, I was exhausted and covered in sweat after that. Not that it stopped me from walking into that Antojitos Mexican restaurant and pounding down some margaritas and a shot of mezcal, but I'm glad I did it then. So I'm going to try it again this year, but someday when we least expect it, it'll be our last street music fest. You know, you're right, Dave. And I'm sure five to ten years from now, we're going to look back on these days as a Geezer Life podcast and the Geezer Band and say, I'm glad I did it then. Hopefully we're still doing it, but you never know. To our listeners, think back to the things that you did back in the day that you couldn't do now. It's fun to reminisce, but more important is to try new things that you always wanted to do and you still can do. Then years from now, you can look back and say, I'm glad I did it then because I can't do it now. Please share any stories you have. And if we get enough material, we'll do an episode on the topic again and share your story. Oh, that'd be fun. Don't worry. We'll change the name to protect the innocent. (laughs) But uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at thegeezerlifegmail.com, Facebook on The Geezer Life, or Instagram, The Geezer Life Podcast. Geezer Life is... Written, directed, produced, and edited by Dave and Jake. We do it all ourselves, except when we have to reach out to younger people to help us remember what buttons to push. If you enjoy our podcast, please like and subscribe and even leave us a review. Let us know what topics you would like to see us address here on Geezer Life. We could really use the support so we don't have to live out our final years camping under a bridge, which is a really hard place to do a podcast from. Yeah, help us get better. Because we're working hard at it when we could be napping instead. We now have several ways to contact us. Email at thegeezerlife at gmail.com, Facebook at thegeezerlife, and Instagram, thegeezerlifepodcast. Until then, see you next time, unless we keel over in the meantime. So eliminate.